Welcome to Disputes Digest. Today is September 17th, 2021. I'm Chris Campbell. Don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn to stay up to date with news from around the world of international dispute resolution. Before we get into it this week, if you haven't already, take a moment to share the show with a friend or colleague. And if you've got any feedback for the show, drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. And you already know the drill. Don't forget to leave us a review. It helps others find the show. All right, let's get into it. Avengers, assemble! As one Avenger, Black Widow ends up facing off against the House of Mouse, aka Disney, in a dispute related to her recent solo movie, also by the same name, that has simultaneously released via movie theaters and Disney+. Apparently Scarlett Johansson, who plays the heroine, is upset over the simultaneous release as it substantially affects her compensation, which is based on ticket sales. As a result of the dispute, Disney has already delayed the Disney Plus premieres of other Marvel movies, such as Shang-Chi, The Legend of Ten Rings, to avoid any similar conflicts with other Marvel stars. So, why are we talking about it on Disputes Digest? Well, because Disney's lawyers are attempting to compel arbitration to kick the proceedings from court into resolution before an arbitral tribunal. A bit of backstory. The dispute more particularly arises out of the allegation that Johansson never agreed with Disney's release plans and that Disney never responded to her negotiating terms for the release of Black Widow. More interesting still, Johansson's legal team argues that because it was Disney, not its subsidiary with whom Johansson contracts, that ultimately released the movie, that it was also Disney and not Marvel that breached the actor's contract. Therefore, the lawsuit does not and should not need to go to arbitration and should be instead decided by a jury. Johansson has been supported by some of her fellow Marvel stars, including Elizabeth Olsen, who plays Scarlet Witch. We'll have to grab some popcorn to see who comes out on top of the Infinity lawsuit. Next, let's head over to Germany, where the higher regional Frankfurt court defined the regional requirements and limits in which the losing party in arbitration can defend itself against the arbitral award with counterclaims at the stage of enforcement proceedings in Germany. Let's step back a second and look at the facts that frame this case. Defendant Y has sold and delivered a machine to applicant X. The contract included the standard ICC language, and when a dispute arose questioning the functionality of the machine, Party X declared that the contract should be avoided, and the party took their matter to the tribunal, which largely found in favor of Party X, and granted payment to them, including attorney's fees. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Following the award, the losing party, Y, desired to set off the awarded amount against a tort claim that it planned to assert against X before the higher regional court. However, the court was having none of it as it only declared that the award was enforceable and rejected the attempt by party Y stating that it was, quote, improper and did not have sufficient connection as it concerned the party's duties to be considered for offset, which would only be allowed in a limited and narrow set of circumstances. Next, we head to Switzerland, where the Swiss Supreme Court confirms that an arbitral tribunal may, under certain circumstances, refuse to reschedule a hearing without violating one party's right to be heard. In a ruling that sounds as narrow as it's likely to be enforced, the decision by the court came following a challenge to an arbitral award based on an assertion of a, quote, lack of opportunity to be heard, end quote, which the court interpreted was merely an attempt to delay the arbitral proceedings, which is not protected under the party's rights of the arbitration. Indeed, the complaining party raised its objections couched in alleged delays related to the COVID-19 pandemic, which have widely been accepted by arbitral institutions. 
However, neither the tribunal nor the court found that the inability to be heard in person and instead needing to rely on a digital hearing was a basis to enjoin the proceedings from continuing. So, in a nod to last year's Bismuth problem, it appears that at least some tribunals are willing to require digital hearings even over the objection of other parties. And that, at least in Switzerland, is not a sole justification for delaying hearings, nor setting aside an award. Finally, we end this week in the news with mediation. A new mediation law has gone into effect in the United Arab Emirates. The new legislation is in response to two factors that have made the practice of mediation and practitioners of mediation reticent to consider the procedure. First, the lack of a robust legal framework for a formal mediation process. And secondly, the absence of any guarantee that information exchanged during the mediation process was protected by confidentiality. Thus, entered federal law number 6, 2021, on mediation for the settlement of civil and commercial disputes, which seeks to address these points. Notably, one of the mechanisms for encouraging compliance from the parties is the threat of criminal liability for violating the terms. The legislation establishes a robust legislative framework for mediation and provides parties contemplating mediation with certainty with regard to the process of mediation and the enforceability of any settlement agreements arising from mediation. The law also sets out the legal requirements for an enforceable mediation agreement and establishes two separate and distinct paths for a matter to proceed to mediation, a judicial and a non-judicial path which, as the names imply, is a function of whether the courts or designated institution is facilitating the resolution of the dispute. The law and its many provisions will undoubtedly have an impact on the practice of mediation in the region and will include a deep dive analysis in the show notes. All right, let's get into some opportunities from the past week. First, law firm Cohen & Greer LLP is seeking a litigation, arbitration, and white-collar defense associate to join its Washington, D.C.-based offices. Then. Interested in the news? How about the arbitration news? Global Arbitration Review is seeking a news reporter to join its London-based offices. Ideal candidates should have about two years of experience in journalism or similar endeavors. Then in California, global law firm Withers Worldwide is looking for a junior litigation associate with one to three years experience for its San Francisco offices. Then the Oil and Gas Energy Law Journal, O-G-E-L, has issued a call for papers for those interested in energy law, and in particular carbon neutral energy, for a special edition. The editors invite authors to consider a number of topics from around the discussion of energy law and invite them to make submissions by January 2022. We'll post the link in the show notes. Finally for this week, a bit of specific posting as the Swiss Arbitration Center seeks a trilingual legal associate, fluent in English, Italian, and French, to join its Geneva-based offices. The full posting is available on the organization's website, and we'll post the link in the show notes. Last but not least, events. First up in events, the ICC Young Arbitrators Forum, YAF, hosts an event titled Women in ADR, Inspiration and Empowerment. The organizers write, although women make up a significant percentage of arbitration practitioners, they continue to be underrepresented among arbitrators and mediators in commercial matters. The all-women-led panel will discuss the representation of women in ADR and opportunities to increase it. The event is offered in tandem with SCM Consulting, LLC, and registration is available on the ICC website. Then, the ICC also hosts an event titled the 16th ICC New York Conference on International Arbitration, which will take place during Paris Arbitration Week as a nod to the collaboration and friendship between the two legal communities. 
The conference will feature experts in the field and provide networking opportunities, as well as a highlight and featured event titled Assessment of Damages by Arbitrators on September 20th and 21st. It is an ideal event for anyone in the field, practicing lawyers, corporate counsel, judges, arbitrators, mediators, really anyone. Academics and business professionals are welcome too. Registration is available on the ICC website. You won't want to miss it. Then, on September 22nd, as part of Paris Arbitration Week and supported by Juice Monday, comes an event titled Partnering with External Counsel, Mitigating Risk and Creating Value in Arbitration Disputes. The panel will address current issues such as managing pre-disputes in-house, partnering with external counsel, tips for a successful relationship, and an external counsel's perspective on collaborating with in-house counsel, and creating value from in-house and external counsel perspective. Registration is available on either the Arbitral Women or the Paris Arbitration Week websites. Then on September 28th, the Nairobi Center for International Arbitration offers an event titled Introduction to Mediation, a four-hour primer on the fundamentals of effective mediation and resolving commercial disputes. Registration is available on the Africa Arbitration Association website. Finally, before we get out of here this week, we want to take a moment to give a big shout out to the Atlanta International Arbitration Association, ATLAS, which is coming off its fantastic 10th annual conference, which wrapped up earlier this week. It was partnered with GAR Live, and it was an awesome event. It featured a number of amazing speakers and keynote addresses, and if you missed out, hey, I'm sorry for you. And I was glad to host one of the Tertullia sessions on Space Law. It was great. Make sure you sign up for next year. Anyway, that's it for Disputes Digest. Don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn and to drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com if you have comments or feedback for the show. Until next week, this has been Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis, and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.